Hello and welcome everybody to The Unattractive Truth, episode one. Um, this is Tim speaking along with my good friend Allison, who is actually uh, on the phone. She, she, she couldn't be with, with us here today in the studio. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> but as our first episode, let's go ahead and explain who we are, just a brief testimony on uh, who we are, what we've, where we've come from, and just what our spiritual walk looks like. So ladies first, let's start with Miss Allison, if you'd like to tell us just a brief summary of your testimony. I would love to. So, um, let's see, where do I start? Uh, I grew up going to Christian schools. Uh, my brothers and I, um, we, we all went to Christian schools and my parents aren't, they weren't slash aren't particularly devout, uh, people, but my mom wanted my brothers and I to have some foundational understanding of the scripture. So yeah, we went to private schools and, uh, but we didn't go to church. Even now my family is not particularly religious. We really don't talk much about um, our religious beliefs or, or anything like that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I've only recently, I'd say within the past year, I've only started really trying to dig into my faith and, and figuring out what I believe as a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, and how I should, you know, how my life should reflect my beliefs. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm, in a sense, I'm sort of a baby Christian, but in a way, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's kind of complicated, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Right. I mean, I think we should let everybody know that we don't, uh, we're not really professing academics or professors or pastors or, you know, um, people who are no better than anyone else. Uh, we are pretty much just coming together as millennials in this modern world and, and just uh, new Christians that really have come a ways to think that, you know, when we talk about, you know, the topics that we're going through and the culture and I feel like it's something that we all need to kind of go through together and discuss and make sure we have an opinion on it rather than just be unprepared. Mm-hmm. Um, so ha- making that known, um, I'll go ahead into my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents were Christians and uh, they raised us all to um, be Christians as well. And I grew up in a Baptist church for a while and then a non-denominational church for a few years and then um, I, went on, I went to a uh, private Christian high school, which is actually where I met Miss Coyle. And so we got to know each other, and <laughs> we hit it off as friends, and we're still talking to this day, which is fantastic. But it wasn't until later on, like after all of my college years and uh, being on my own, that I realized that uh, I, I wasn't really living a life as a Christian. I was going through the motions. I was doing what a Christian was supposed to do, but I was, I was doing that because I, I, it felt like, uh, that's just how I was supposed to obey my parents, you know, be a good kid. But even my parents realized that, you know, you shouldn't be doing it for us. You should be doing it for, for God, you know? And then I, that's when I came to the realization is like, you know, I wasn't really living a life as a Christian. I was just, you know, I was a good actor, you know, I was convincing myself. And so it wasn't until recently where uh, I feel the, the Lord, you know, made himself known to me and revealed his truth in a way that I uh, I can't really go back to ignorance. 
And so knowing what I know now, I feel like um, I need to live a life that is just investing in my relationship with God, fulfilling my purpose of glorifying Him. So that's where I am and that's where I've come from. And now that you know a little bit you know, about the both of us, I say we go ahead and, and uh, start a topic of discussion. Sure. And just really quick, I just wanted to touch on this again, like you mentioned um, just a minute ago, that really the what we're trying to get across here, just like Tim mentioned, we're we're not in any way professing to to have all the answers in, in any sense to be studied and, and we're, we're not claiming to, to have We any. don't have the proper credentials. <laughs> no, we, we don't have any. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, I don't have a plaque sense. or something. I don't have right. a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but at the same time, it's it, it, something that we've both kind of talked about and something that we, we feel passionately about is, is that's not what it means to be a Christian. You don't, you don't need to have gone to seminary to feel like, you know, your your beliefs or your your questions or your thoughts are valid, and that's something that's something that we would like to kind of get across through doing this podcast. Is it's okay to have these questions, and it's okay to have you know to, to raise questions that maybe there aren't particularly good answers to, and questions that are kind of controversial and and things that a lot of Christians don't necessarily want to talk about, some taboo right. topics. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, the purpose of this podcast is to discover things together, to learn new things for some people, but also to kind of check our faith, to check where our relationship is, because we always need to analyze where we are. We can't get comfortable in something or think that, you know, we're, we're doing fine right now. We don't need to do anything different. It's like without challenge, we cannot grow. So we always need to revisit different topics um, daily because we are approached daily on things that are very manipulative and corrupt and that are confusing. So I really, I think just Alice and I are coming together to talk about this stuff so that uh, we can actually just, uh, I mean, God has given us a voice. He has given us an ability to articulate. And I feel that if he is revealing himself to us and we are able to articulate that with each other and to others. And by all means, I feel like that's something that God wants us to do, like a responsibility as a Christian to try and sharpen, you know, each other. Couldn't have said it better. (laughs) 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 Um, No, I I, I just want to throw this in too. There there are going to be some awkward times in the podcast where I'm more more often than not, I'm the one who's kind of at a loss for words. I feel like Tim is better at articulating his thoughts very, um, you know, very specifically. He's he's good at really getting into the nitty gritty, and I'm usually sitting here just thinking, "That's it." <laughs> she, can, you'll just check me off. Like, all right, good. <laughs> right. So, anyway, that is a great transition into our first topic, which. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I say for our first topic, um, let's talk about the difference with introverts and extroverts as as Christians. I read a book called uh, Spiritual Depression, and, and one of the early chapters discuss about how um, the Lord uses a lot of extrovert or introverts in the Bible. A lot of the biblical figures that have carried on his you know his his will 
were introverts, people who were very you know self analytical, people who were into their own thoughts, um, people who were self conscious, who were anxious. I mean, a good example is, is Moses. I mean, he was a person who just could not speak very well. He could not articulate himself, and yet God chose him to be the person to lead His people, His chosen people. Um, so there, time and time again, the Lord has used lots of these figures, and so. I like to take a look at, you know, what about the introverts of today? The people who are, I mean, it feels like it's a trend that it's like, oh yeah, I have anxiety or yeah, I'm depressed. And you know, it's, it's just something that's, you know, it's just part of our generation. We have a lot to be depressed about or anxious, you know, and um, I feel like that, that can get lost in just uh, how that doesn't pertain to Christians. I mean, it very much is a part of us. And I feel like, you know, the the Lord can still speak to us and has given, you know, introverts a very special, specific voice, being able to analyze themselves. But I feel like that's also their weakness. They're able to think that they are no good or that they can do no good or get themselves in such a deep pit of depression, you know, analyzing themselves and their depravity. And that's where I admit that, I mean... I think about my depravity all the time and it gets me very distressed. It makes me feel that I am just, I'm a worthless Christian. And there's, there's, how can I glorify God when I just can't even get myself together to, to do something that is good or doing something that I know better. And I mean, Allison, could you relate to being an introvert as well? I'm 100% introvert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I think you touched on a, a good point, which is, because introverts are very self-reflective, we tend to to really hone in on our weaknesses, and we oftentimes completely skip over our strengths, um, or we just right. don't see them at all. It's it's difficult to think that you really have any external worth that you can positively influence other people, that you can um, be any sort of tool for God when you often feel like you're just drowning in in your own reflection it's it's just a constant battle to to kind of reaffirm that we're not we're never going to be perfect and god is and jesus is not looking for perfect people to share his message right it's i mean it's evident throughout the bible like we've talked about before i mean look at david look at solomon um look at paul look at peter and there are all of these these people who who were used to further God's message, and it's it's just very evident that that we don't need to be perfect to be useful. But oftentimes, as introverts, it's hard to to, to remember that and to acknowledge that. Right. It's it's difficult to like say you know introverts have this you know very special relationship with God. I mean I don't for those who are extroverts. I mean I can't uh, really speak on your behalf. I I don't know how to relate to that. God is is using anybody. He, I mean it's proof that he, from how he uses all these socially uh, reviled people all over the New Testament, you know, like, uh, Matthew being a, like a tax collector and Saul who was persecuting Christians, all these people who were very just taboo, even in that society. But, you know, God still used them and, you know, God's very capable of just using anyone he wants. And, uh, I feel like for those who have been revealed the truth of who God is, um, 
I mean, you have a voice, you have an opinion, you have this special, what's the word? (laughs) You, you, you (laughs) matter, you, you, you you matter. And, uh, there's, you know, God has spiritual gifts to, to every one of us. Um, and I feel like the differences of each person is what I like to call a spiritual personality. Um, as we each have our different gifts and our different abilities, our weaknesses, our strengths, how we're more uh, susceptible to a certain sin, you know, and, and not others. Um, so I feel like having that sort of spiritual personality is something we should all kind of uh, celebrate with each other to see how we are unique amongst, you know, our brothers and sisters. And it's also, it's, I would, I would argue that in, in some ways it's, at least as introverts, sometimes it feels more difficult to to be useful because so much of what the world celebrates is extroversion. Um, you know, people who are great public speakers, people who are very outgoing, people who they can easily reach out to other people, that is what's celebrated. And a lot of times it feels like if you have, let's say, the gift of hospitality that you're great at uh, really making um, a comfortable environment, you're you're good at making people feel welcome and opening your homes to them, opening your community to them. Just using any particular gift that you have, a lot of times gifts that introverts have, they don't necessarily feel as useful. They don't feel as important, and we can kind of just become stagnant in in our faith at times, we, we just, we feel like we're not as good as those who were really out preaching, those who were out yeah. doing those who are what, uh, public, those, yeah. right. Those who it, it feels like they're doing the important work and it kind of just feels like we're sitting on the sidelines and it's easy to get bored as, right. as a Christian, when you feel like you're, you're not really serving a purpose. Right. Like if, if other people are, you know, doing stuff, you feel like, well, why do I need to do anything if that's already being done by better equipped people, more equipped people? Mm-hmm. So I, um, part of uh, what I was reading in, in the book of spiritual depression is that a lot of introverts struggle with speaking to each other, like to themselves and, and listening to their own voice, which is naturally just um, it's belittling, making them feel insignificant or insufficient. And instead we need to preach to ourselves, you know, combat that voice with truth because we, we do believe the lies that we tell ourselves that, you know, there are other people doing better things. You know, I'm not really going to make a, a better difference. In fact, I could probably do more harm than good by trying. We, we believe these lies that we tell ourselves. And we have to remember that as we are depraved, you know, people who are sinful, I mean, yes, our natural feelings and emotions, you know, towards a subject is we have to be careful. We have to uh, be analytical of those things and, and not just give in to that because we've been reminded and told that we have been bought with a price, you know, through Christ's, you know, sacrifice that we, we now belong to him. We are invaluable to him and the Lord has deemed us as blameless, as pure, as, as perfect, even though we are imperfect, but we, we are, um, the sacrifice of God has, has made us blameless in God's eyes from his, um, 
condemnation. So since we were talking more about introverts, let's talk a a little bit about extroverts, about the people who kind of uh, carry themselves in a certain way. I mean, Christians have expectations of how they're supposed to come across to other people as part of their testimony, when I feel like that has its sort of uh, falsehood, you know? And I... Part of what we we just talked about was how um, a lot of extroverted um, characteristics are celebrated in in our culture, and I think that in some ways it harms the church culture a bit because I feel like the not that all extroverts are necessarily very happy go lucky people, or that um, or that they don't deal with any sort of emotional. Um, issues or baggage or anything, but there definitely seems to be um, the idea in Christian culture that you need to be happy and upbeat and outgoing and all of these things all the time, or else there's something wrong, or else maybe you're not really a Christian because it's almost this idea of if Christ is truly in you, if you're saved, then you know, why are you brooding? Why, why are you ever upset about anything? Right. And in a lot of ways, it's it's antithetical to the scripture because as a Christian, as you've mentioned before, to be a Christian is to live a life of struggle, is to deal with a lot of temptations and to try and overcome those temptations of the flesh and it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows right it's a constant struggle because we have we are no longer in ignorance we know the truth that we live in a you know a sinful flesh that is battling our our spirit but this this idea that um that extroverts are that you know that that's that's what's celebrated it weighed on me personally especially as a teenager and even sometimes now because it often feels like if I'm if I'm struggling with something and it looks like other Christians aren't, it looks like they have their lives together. Right. And they don't really have you know, it doesn't seem like they're battling with much. It it's it's a little discouraging because it feels like I don't know if I should go to other Christians to talk about my struggles because I don't one, I don't know if they can really understand what I'm going through. And two, it feels like you could be superficially judged, not and not in a not in a biblical sense of they're going to help you overcome it. It's um it's more of just a fear of they're not going to accept me. That rejection, yeah. Exactly. And they're gonna look at me differently. Yeah. And um You feel like you might actually expose a fake Christian, and then therefore feel a judgment upon a social standard, which that's exactly it. which would encourage that voice in your head that is telling you you're already you're no good. Exactly. Right. I mean, I totally agree with that. I feel that in this modern day, we have the ability to portray ourselves in any way we want. Like on Facebook, we can put up any kind of picture of us that looks good at all times, putting up statuses that are meaningful or funny or whatever, that we have it all together. I mean, it really puts off this portrayal of like, oh, well, yeah, this person has has it all together. Look at that. They were at the beach and they were on vacation. They were visiting these islands or whatever it is. It makes you feel like, 
man, I, I, I can't talk to anybody because everyone is, is doing fine. And if we were, can you imagine if there was an honest Facebook where, you know, as Christians, we would all just kind of be like in tears or mopey or just upset, distraught, anxious. Uh, I mean, the, it would be accurate because Christians are always going through such conflict. And I, I mean, as you get older, I feel like you just have a better way of coping with it or the Lord presents himself in a way to you that you learn how to deal with what you're going through. But for, you know, newer Christians like you and I, I think we, it's, it's hard for us to kind of hide our feelings or emotions because we kind of wear it on our sleeves because it's just, it's all encompassing. We see it for what it really is. And it's also, um, it's a little discouraging because as you mentioned, as new Christians, you don't, you don't want to share these, these, you know, perceived flaws or these struggles with, with people who seem like they have everything together because again, you, you don't want to be judged for it. You don't want to be shunned for it. Um, but at the same time, you also, you don't necessarily want to go to, um, you know, friends that maybe they're not believers or, um, friends who proclaim to be believers, but don't walk the walk. They don't, you know, they don't, um, practice their faith necessarily. Because it feels like, well, you know, as good it was, as it would feel maybe to sort of unburden myself and tell other people what I'm going through, you don't want to necessarily put yourself in a position of, of receiving advice from people that, you know, like I mentioned, that they're not, they're not walking the walk and they're probably not giving you godly sound advice. And so you, sometimes it just feels like you're somewhere in this middle of, you don't feel comfortable turning to believers, but you don't want to step backward and you don't want to um, necessarily revert to people that maybe you once got advice from, but now you feel that that's not necessarily who you should be turning to. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times it just feels like Christians kind of who are in this position that they, they feel like they have to struggle alone because there seems to be this, this facade with modern Christianity that you should have it all together. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Like it's possible to, to live as a Christian in this world and succeed. Um, therefore promoting happiness. Like it is possible in this modern day. And if yeah, you're right, modern Christianity very much, you know, shows that as a message, like, look at this Christianity is attractive to all kinds because look, we are happy people. I don't know if it's intentional or if it's, just something that has been baked into it for so for such a long time that um that that's sort of just been the message that it's expected that um in public life you're supposed to put on a a good face Mm -hmm. um so i don't know if that's just something that's it's been this way for such a long time that it's not questioned but it's something that I feel like our generation in particular, because I don't feel like there's much of anything that's particularly taboo in society anymore. And I feel like that's starting to leak into the church a bit, where we're starting to talk about more controversial social issues. And we're starting to kind of push back against a lot of church tradition, um, some of which is good and some of which is bad. But in this sense, I feel like this could be something that is it's a positive step that maybe our generation our generation can start to push back on just this feeling of suffering in silence and 
not wanting to approach other Christians with your struggles because you don't want to be judged and you don't want to be shunned from the community for it. Right, for fear of persecution. Exactly. I feel like you brought up a really good point talking about how, like, wanting to discuss this with another Christian, I mean, it is very much a potential for them to kind of lead you astray because there's lots of people who are given into a false idea of what Christianity is or what a Christian should do or should be. And I feel like there are negative influences of people who claim to be Christians that will try and kind of have you running in circles trying to, you know, find that answer that you're struggling with. It's it's very difficult. I mean, if you really think about it for Christians, how easy is it to have, to find a fellow brother or sister in Christ that is professing, that is bearing fruit, that is, you know, edifying you, that is actually proven themselves to you, that they are a person who is walking a life that is glorifying to God. I cannot think of that many people that are doing that besides like my, my close family, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a rare thing because, I mean, there's such a pressure of people giving in to what Christianity is supposed to be that you, you make makes yourself wonder, it's like, why, why am I not like that? Or am I the way I am supposed to be and they're not where they're supposed to be? It's it's confusing and then you feel like, you know what, maybe I should keep to myself, you know, and, and not try and have another person's influence. Exactly. And I, I feel like the danger in that, it's kind of twofold. It's one, um, if, if you don't feel comfortable approaching other Christians with any struggles you're going through, you're probably going to be stagnant in your faith because you're going to feel like, there's something weighing on you that you really can't push past and that it's just, it's weighing you down. Um, but also this is something that I've struggled with. I know some other friends of mine have struggled with this where sometimes it feels like it's all or nothing. It feels like, you know, either you're giving a hundred percent to your faith and you're, you're really trying to walk with God and you're trying to get closer and you're really trying to live it out. But then there's, the flip side of that is sometimes you get so frustrated and you feel so lost with, again, with any particular struggle at the time that maybe you stop reading your Bible one day at a time. You slowly, you stop praying. You Maybe you aren't socializing with as many Christians as before. And there's just, it's these little, it's these incremental steps backward that kind of pull you away from, I don't want to say it pulls you away from your faith, but it pulls you away from your walk with God until you get to a point where you're just stagnant. And I mean, I've gone through that before where I'll go through periods of feeling very spiritually stagnant and feeling extremely overwhelmed to want to move back toward, you know, walking with God. Because it feels like climbing a mountain. It feels like, okay, um, these were my struggles the last time. So how do I combat them? And what do I do if and when those struggles reappear? Right. I mean, that's a very interesting point because you have to realize, you know, in your spiritual walk, when you encounter those moments where you feel stagnant, you have to wonder, well, okay, what has changed? Is the Holy Spirit not working at this time? Is, is God not in control at this time? Or did I do something to lose his favor? Like, wh- what is the origin or what is the, 
you know, the, the root of you feeling that way, because we can pretty much narrow down what God tells us in his word, that the Holy Spirit is always at work. God is always in control. We are always the ones that are combating a sinful nature and a sinful flesh. So you shouldn't feel that discouragement that, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not growing. I'm not being challenged or the Lord isn't working in me at this time and there's something wrong. Because you have two choices. One is either you live a life with regrets or two, you live with the knowledge that God has an intention and purpose for every moment of your life. And I mean, a lot of people confuse that with, oh, well, then why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow me to, you know, get my leg broken or my, my loved one lost to a disease or a natural disaster? I mean, you can get lost in that so easily. But to, but to bring it back down to who you are, it's like what you're going through. If you think that there, there are things you regret that you've done that were that should never have happened, you have to wonder, okay, well, am I really living a life where I know that God is at work and that God is preserving me and carrying me through challenges and conflict so that I grow? Because as a good parent, you allow your children to go through trials so that they grow. You don't cause them. You don't toss them out of a tree so that they learn to climb better or whatever. <laughs> I mean, right, exactly. a, a good parent is a, is a, is one who uh, disciplines their child when they do wrong, but also carries them through as they are going through trials that they are growing. And I feel like that's, that's how the Lord works. I mean, what kind of God would he be if he allowed his children to just kind of do whatever they wanted with, with no consequences or expecting them to grow on their own. I mean, by all means, we we have no ability to gain a spiritual favor on our own. It's only through the constant work of the Holy Spirit that we're able to even perceive truth of who God is. And I I think a a great add-on to that is to kind of question how do you encourage the Holy Spirit to work in you? Not Not that it's your doing necessarily, but there are definitely times in life when, at least for me, that it, it I can sense the Holy Spirit working more in me than at other times. And it's probably the same for you. Yeah, I mean, it's like the passage that says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I mean, it is very possible to have a place where, you know, the Holy Spirit is more evident in his work in you because you have made yourself a disciplined person to to see God at work, to be active in seeing where God is working. So that, that's very think, much a possibility. And I, I think that a, a part of that, a part of making sure that you are disciplined and that you're open to um, receiving wisdom and and um, receiving conviction and, and being sanctified, I think the one of the best ways to do that is to read your Bible. And that sounds... Yes. So cliche. No, no. Please take it away, Allison. Transition this to why we should read our Bible. It sounds so cliche. I mean, of course, every pastor, they're they're drilling it into your head that, you know, read your Bible, read your Bible. Um, even in Sunday school, read your Bible. Yeah, memorize these verses. Exactly. The older I get, the more I'm beginning to see the truth in that. If... Okay, so a a great analogy that I heard was, let's say a college student is not attending classes, they're not taking any tests, but they show up on graduation day in a cap and gown, and they're expecting their diploma. And it's the idea of, well, 
you didn't put in the work, but you're expecting your diploma. You're expecting to graduate. And of course, no, you wouldn't get your diploma. And it's the same idea of you need to, the sound, I don't mean for this to sound as if it's, it's workspace because that's not the point, but it's the idea of in order to, to grow closer to God and, and to, to be open to the Holy Spirit's convictions, you need to work. And mm-hmm. the work that you're putting into that is, is reading your Bible and, and yeah, exactly. And memorizing passages and, and praying and asking for your heart to be softened and for your heart to be open. And it doesn't come without an effort. And of course that effort is you're reading your Bible you're, you're asking God for clarification, and it's, it's a constant effort. And it's not something that happens just by sitting around and not doing anything. Right. My mom explained it to me very clearly that has just, I feel like it's cleared the fog of, of how to maintain a relationship with God. And she was like, your relationship with God is just like your relationship with your significant other. If you want a good marriage— you have to communicate. If you are not talking to them, you can't expect them to be talking to you. I mean, it's like you need to talk to God. You need to talk to God so that he reveals himself to you. If you are not talking to him, do you think the relationship is going to grow? Well, of course not. We we do need to be active in what we do. And um, of course, it is not based on works that we are earning our faith or anything like that. But Mm-hmm. After we have received the truth, that is where sanctification is a constant process of being Christ-like, and we are called to be responsible as Christians, to take action, to be active, to maintain this relationship with Him, and to edify our relationship with each other in fellowship. And I feel like all of this ties into um, what we were just talking about, which is the idea of in order to be edified and in order to edify others and help one another along the way, there needs to be this open line of communication where Christians, particularly young Christians who, you know, a lot of times struggle with, with emotional issues, the the Christian community definitely needs to work on creating a line of communication where um, Christians feel comfortable going to one another with these struggles and with these issues. Otherwise, we're suffering in silence. We're suffering alone. And like we talked about, it makes you stagnant and it makes you, it discourages you from from working toward having a better walk with Christ. I think we transitioned through like four different topics. Yeah, we burned through some topics. <laughs> yeah, um, we were actually going through a topic that I wanted to like have as its own topic, which was um, praying, like how we pray, because you were some, you were saying how we need to ask the Lord when we are reading his word to clarify things for us. Uh-huh. Um, and, and my perspective of prayer is like, I hesitate to pray sometimes. Like, I feel like, what am I doing? I'm asking him for something. I'm treating him like he's Santa Claus. Like, you know, Lord, here's my list. I need this. I want this. And I start to like hesitate, like, no, okay, well, why am I asking that? I know it's not something that I need. Only the Lord knows what I need. So what should I do instead? How should I reword this? So like, for instance, if I'm struggling with my anxiety because of work, I shouldn't ask for, dear Lord, please make work more bearable. Or, dear Lord, please help me with my anxiety. Instead, I need to 
completely humble myself and say, Lord, I am struggling with this anxiety, but Lord, please uh, be a reminder that you are constantly working in my life, that your Holy Spirit is at work and that I may seek you out in the little parts of my day, that I may be encouraged through this conflict because it is promoting growth in my relationship. So Lord, thank you for being who you are. And I ask that your Holy Spirit keep me strong in the faith during the times that I feel the weakest. I I completely agree. I, I know exactly what you mean by that. And also, it feels a little awkward. I'm sure you can kind of relate to this, but if, as semi-new Christians, if you as kind of baby Christians as we right. refer to it, it feels a little awkward praying initially because it's not that you feel awkward talking to God necessarily. It's um, it almost feels formulaic. It feels like there there is probably a formula to it. <laughs> the Lord's prayer, not, right? That we're not getting right, and that. Um, it doesn't feel as though, okay, I need to say A, B, C, D, and then God hears me. It's just when you hear more seasoned Christians pray, it just seems very organized. It seems (laughs) very put together. Well, if you think about it, it's because of experience. Exactly. And as, as kind of baby Christians, sometimes it feels like, it feels like you're a five-year-old and you're trying to construct a sentence. <laughs> yes, you've learned a couple words and now you're trying it. Exactly. And it, it's, uh, so it's like on one hand, sometimes it feels like, okay, am I allowed to approach God the same way that I approach others? Am I, you know, should I be talking to God? Even though you, you want to do it with a sense of reverence. Right. Like, um, he, like Jesus is my homeboy. Like, no, right. no, absolutely <laughs> exactly. not. <laughs> exactly. So you want to do it in, in, in some reverent way, but absolutely. at the same time, you, you know, you know, God is reading your heart. You know that he knows. Yeah. He, he does know what, the desires of your heart and yet he still wants us to talk to him. So what does that tell you? Exactly. It, it's, it's just more evidence that he wants that relationship with us. He even, wants that effort. Even, Exactly. He, he, you know, he respects the effort that we put forth. And like you mentioned, it, it doesn't matter that he can read us. He, he wants us to want him. But what you had touched on in terms of, of um, not necessarily knowing how to go about um, asking for something or, or presenting a struggle, something that we've talked about. So you know that I've I've kind of been dealing with this, but I'll put it out there anyway. So something I've struggled with is being single. <laughs> How are you still single? Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm 25. I'm single, and um, it's something I've I've prayed about for probably five years now, off and on. It's. It's something that as I as I get older, it simultaneously becomes easier and more difficult, if that makes any sense. It's easier in the sense of the closer I walk with God, the more I feel at peace and the more I feel that there is a purpose, there's a plan. I don't know what it is, but it's there. Uh, whereas when I was younger, even though I had more time, I didn't believe I didn't I didn't believe there was a plan it all felt very random and it felt aimless um but I've also struggled with that with praying about it because I feel on one hand I feel like well (laughs) 
should I be like, am I allowed to pray for a spouse necessarily? Am I allowed to put it in, in, in terms of dear Lord, please watch over my, my future spouse. But at the same time, how do I, you know, I don't know that there's a future spouse out there that may or may not be in the works. So I don't, I, sometimes I feel uncomfortable approaching it that way because I don't want to assume there's a spouse. Right. But at the same time, I, I do believe that there's a plan and I believe that God is capable of doing anything he determines for my life. Right. Um, so it's kind of this, this weird tightrope of trying to present my prayers in such a way that, that I'm expressing that I trust him with the plans he has for me, but at the same time, kind of expressing my desires and trying to express it in a way that, uh, I'm not complaining, but I'm just presenting my desires. And it sounds like it's kind of the same way for you. Right. I mean, we can both agree that, you know, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the true desires of our hearts and even better, he knows what's best for us. So as he sees us with our relationship with him, I, I think God is so sovereign that he is able to bring us in a way where it's like, listen, you are not going to live a, a fruitful life with the knowledge that there is somebody there out there for you. Or if there is not somebody out there for you, that knowledge is insignificant. Instead, I want to be the focus of your attention right now. I want to build your trust in me to know what's best for you. And and when you get to the point where you and I are at such a place where you have complete reliance on me and practically all things, that's where I will reward you with the knowledge of, you know, where your contentment is. That was solid. That's a good ending to that part. Yeah. I, I feel like they're like, it's like what you said with the, the formula of prayer. I mean, people have exegeted the Lord's prayer in a very specific way. Like, look how he prayed. Look how he started his <laughs> prayer. Look how he requested it, you know, and he was talking to his father. So he knew he knew this. And I mean, yes, the Lord's prayer is a perfect prayer, of course. And if we want a standard for how to pray, that's what we go to. But as we are growing Christians, I mean, there, there shouldn't be a formula. Instead, there should be a habit there should be a habit of acknowledging who we are speaking to. It's not about the requests. It's not about asking for things. I mean, we we should ask for things because, I mean, the Bible does say it's like, you know, ask the Lord who gives freely, you know, and generously for, for attributes, for wisdom and stuff. And But I feel like if we kind of check ourselves first, be like, all right, I came to prayer because I needed this one thing, but I need to form a habit where I'm like, okay, this is this is what I want, but the Lord knows what I need, and that fact is what should keep me grounded in a prayer where I am acknowledging, Lord, you know what's best for me. I'm at a place of hesitation and doubt. Thank you for reminding me who you are and who is sitting on the throne of my life at this time. So I feel like that the formula should be replaced with a habit. If I mean, it kind of sounds like the same thing, but there, I feel like there is a, a significant difference we need to have with prayer. There is. I, I think the I think the word formula automatically gives the connotation that it's um, that it's it's not sincere. That it's it's something kind of memorized. Something it's that not poetic. You, exactly, something that you rehash, um, whether based on memory or just something you've kind of cobbled together because it sounds good. 
Whereas, of course, like we said, God knows our hearts. There, there's just there's no. He's already not, on our side. You're you're not getting anything out of that by by not being sincere. And and there's um, wish I could remember the the verse off the top of my head. It's in Matthew. But Jesus is is telling his disciples, you know, seek and you will find. That's that's something that that I've really been feeling lately. Is I I would like to to move closer in my walk with God to feel like I'm worthy of asking because right now as a baby Christian, it, it, it feels overwhelming sometimes. And it feels like I haven't necessarily, even though I know it's not true, it, it's, it, it's sometimes it feels like you haven't, you haven't reached um, a level of spiritual maturity where you're even necessarily prepared to receive answers to some of the questions that you have or, or to receive guidance on some of the things that you're struggling with because it feels like, well, you know, I'm kind of new to the party. <laughs> right. You're and learning, feels, still learning. Exactly. It feels like, you know, I'm, I'm still even trying to learn how to pray. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I don't even necessarily know how to go about doing basic things that Christians do. Yeah. Um, and so it, it kind of feels like, all right, let me, uh, let me learn the baby steps. And then we'll kind of tackle the deeper theological questions. I mean, if you think about it, I don't think we're ever going to be in a place where, where we are not learning, where we're not learning about ourselves, uh, more about who, how in, in infinite God is. Um, I mean, we're always in training because, I mean, we're always at new stages of our life because we're always moving forward. We're always aging. We're always entering a new stage of our life or this culture or whatever it is. We're always going to be learning how to deal with something. So it makes me feel like, well, my mom and dad, you know, they've already they've already come to a place where they, they know enough and they know all they need. And But no, it's like they're new at being parents at one point and then they're new at being grandparents at another point. I mean, they they have new things that they're still learning as well, which is, it's weird to think about, but it's true. We all are always learning. And I feel like with that, we need to kind of give ourselves, you know, cut ourselves some slack because as we're new and we're still in training, so to speak, we're, we're always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. So we can't give into that little lie that's telling us, well, Remember, you have to get to that one place in your life where you're going to have it all together. <laughs> that, that's, not, no, that's, that's not the that's case. Not, yeah. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. Because, I mean, you know, you mentioned it's, it, you're never going to reach a point of feeling like you have it together because no one ever does, you know, quote, have it together. And, and just to kind of bring it back full circle, this is where it's so important that Christians are able to turn to one another and are able to advise one another in a biblical way and to provide sound biblical advice because we're all going through these struggles. We're all in a, in a constant state of, of, of change. And it just doesn't, it doesn't do anyone any good, um, to, to pretend otherwise, to act like, um, certain people, certain Christians, like, you know, once you reach a certain level um, if you walk with God, it sounds very Scientologist, but, <laughs> but it kind of feels like that sometimes like, okay, if you reach this level, um, then you, you don't you've have leveled up. anymore. Exactly. You've leveled up. And, uh, so therefore you don't have, uh, these struggles, but, but of course we know that's not true. And, um, and we've also talked about this, but I think that this is another way in which it's kind of harmful, which is 
so it's it's difficult a lot of times for Christians even to turn to the church or to turn to other Christians for advice. And you just think, what effect does that have on on non Christians? If the, you know non Christians, if they, if they're struggling with you know temptations and lusts of the flesh um, or whatever that their their emotional struggles, if they're looking at a community of people who look as though they don't have any problems, it's going to make it extremely difficult for them to want to turn to the Christian church for answers because it doesn't, I'm sure it feels overwhelming to them even. I mean, I feel like the, the topic of the modern church is, is a whole, it should be a whole nother episode, a whole nother podcast talking about, you know, what is the church, what it should be and why it's dangerous nowadays. So, I mean, let's save that topic for another podcast because that is very important to talk about. It is. Um, And and we can certainly, um, we can certainly next time, maybe we can get into sort of um, what is the role of um, Christians in, in judging others in in, yes, um, in judging non-believers versus the difference between discernment and judgment. Exactly. Yes, yes. We I mean, we have a list of topics to go through, and I feel like we've gone through seven of them in this in this episode. <laughs> so I feel like this is a good stopping point. Um, we were coming on the hour mark here. Um, I'll try and edit this down. <laughs> um, but thanks to everyone listening. Thank you, Allison, for for being a part of this, and uh, we're going to try and keep this you know keep this going to maintain this routine of putting out a podcast to bring up discussion and slowly, hopefully cultivate a community to just talk with one another and you know sort of attract other believers who are in the same boat as us so thank you allison you are quite welcome and thank (laughs) you guys all for listening yes and please tune in next time for the unattractive truth